Well, today I want to be discussing Jesus is our resurrection. You know, we've been in a series entitled, Who is This Man? In the recap, Pastor Todd has been discussing Jesus as God and man. And we talked about his early years. Pastor Brandon talked about Jesus and his relationship to the Holy Spirit. Then we talked about Jesus and his mission on this earth. You know, and that mission is still going on today that we are to be carrying out his mission, which is to, to preach the gospel, to teach the gospel, to walk the gospel. That's, that's where it's hard right there. To walk the gospel and to, and to, to tell others about Jesus in our inner circles, our outer circles, in Lafayette, across the Cadiana, and around the world. That has never changed. It has never stopped. And, and we need to be about doing that. And also, Pastor Todd talked about Jesus' work on Calvary when he died on, on the cross. We talked about that. That's the most empowering thing that you could ever understand, that through the death of Jesus Christ, you have the access to God Almighty. That's, oh yeah. <laughs> and then the resurrection. We talked about that for our Easter service, the power of his resurrection. Today I want to be discussing, guess that's right, to say it that way? All right. Today I want to discuss Jesus and his resurrection and how it pertains to us. You know, this message I started developing before my dad passed away and finished it after he passed away, after the, the funeral and all, the, all that went along with that. And, you know, when, you, when you're preparing something, it's not very often that you end up preparing before you have to walk it out immediately. Sometimes you're thinking it's going to come out this way and you're thinking you're going to react this way. But I didn't have to change anything in this message. So I said that to say that this came out of the worst time in my entire life. And God's power and God's anointing can sustain you, can keep you, and can walk you through the greatest storm that you're going through in your entire life. Amen. Praise God. Now think of the disciples as they followed Jesus for three and a half years. They saw him heal sick bodies. They saw him raise the dead. They saw him cast out devils like flicking away gnats. I like, I like shooting stuff at the devil. Imagine the power he spoke. And imagine his soothing words that he spoke to the disciples when they were facing raging seas. This man would speak life to dead bodies and they would come springing out of the tomb. Yet the disciples saw Jesus, his lifeless body, hanging on a Roman cross. Think of that. Their hopes dashed. For three and a half years, walking, hearing the gospel taught, saying that the kingdom of God is at hand, hearing all of, about the majesty and the might of the kingdom. Do you think that they maybe felt betrayed and despondent after it not panning out like they expected? Do you feel maybe like that right now? Some things in your life are not turning out the way you want and you feel betrayed. You prayed and it didn't happen the way you asked. You had high hopes. And it never turned out the way that you thought it would. Ever felt like that? Now your life may, may look totally different. 
You have to muster all the strength you have to get up and face different circumstances. Do you feel like maybe in your frustration of it not working out like you wanted, that you took it out on God and now you feel like God is done with you? Have you ever gotten mad with God? The resurrection is for you. Remember, they gave up everything to follow Jesus. And as that Sabbath came and the sun went down, so did their dreams. They were promised an an eternal kingdom. They were promised to be in the kingdom and to walk and serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. Now they are hiding in fear of being, they were social outcasts. So much for the abundant life. So much that they even, they gave up everything and went back to fishing. Remember that? Now think of this. The resurrection is an event that happened. It's an event that will happen. But also the resurrection is a person. Think of this. The Bible says in John eleven twenty five and 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's what he would be asking you today. Do you believe this? This one verse tells us that he is the resurrection in our life. And he's also the resurrection in our death. That means no matter what, what, what looks like, what looks like it's dead in our life can be resurrected in every life situation. Our lives will be resurrected on this earth and the things we go through, and it will also be resurrected in the coming day at the rapture of the church. Now, I want to talk about the first point this morning. I want to give you four points. Number one, darkness and earthquakes precede resurrections. Darkness and earthquakes precede resurrections. It's early on the third day of the week. These, uh, the third day after the crucifixion. You have Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the Less, one of the disciples, and Salome. And they're going to the tomb. It was, a, it was an honor that they would do. It was done in, in, to, to preserve the body. It, was a, it wasn't something so much supernatural as it was physical. Their only question was, who will roll away the stone? You can read that in Mark 16, verses 2 and 3. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll away the entrance to the tomb at the entrance? Listen, it's it's the same question that you ask on a daily basis. But this is what it sounds like today. How will this problem move? Because it's too big. It's too big for me to deal with. I cannot move this stone in my life. How can I get past the stone of addiction? Listen, God can take any addiction that you're going through and crush it to face powder. There is no addiction that you are facing that Jesus Christ cannot deliver you from. He can deliver you from any turmoil, any struggle that you're going through. It does not matter what it is. Because the devil will take this problem and blow it up to you. And that's all you can see. But Jesus can roll away that stone. Maybe you've said, I will never get over this. That could be a stone in your life. Maybe your marriage has a huge stone that's insurmountable. And it must be moved to even deal with the things on the inside. 
Maybe unforgiveness is a huge stone and it has you trapped in a tomb of emptiness and weariness. Maybe you can say my child has too many influences and it's a stone, it's a rock that is blocking his potential. Or the sickness that you've been facing day in and day out and you see it as a huge stone. Jesus Christ can heal you from that sickness. He can remove that disease. There's nothing he can't do. You need to understand that regardless of what you see, there is nothing Jesus Christ cannot do, cannot deliver you from, cannot heal you from. There is no mountain he cannot move. Maybe the economy is a stone and all of your hopes and dreams are, are blocked in the tomb. He can heal that. Listen, the cross of Jesus Christ has empowered you to deal with any situation. And the resurrection is proof positive that there's hope in whatever you're going and going through. Because Jesus is the resurrection in the life. Now, if you think about this, in the middle of the cross and the resurrection were two earthquakes. Sometimes it takes an earthquake to appreciate the resurrection. Matthew 28, verse 2, there was a violent earthquake. For the angel of the Lord came down from heaven, heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. Now, that earthquake of devastation that you felt may be the stone being rolled away in your favor. See, it doesn't matter what that earthquake is. When Jesus Christ gets involved, resurrection morning is coming. See, when darkness covered the earth, it was the transition of our darkness on the Christ. And when the earthquake, no matter how it looked or what it seemed like, it revealed access to God Almighty. See, when the earthquake in your life happens, devastation in your life happens, God is laying out the red carpet for you to come in and discuss it with him. That's what God does. You see, the purpose of that earthquake was to reveal the invitation into his presence. Now, when you look at that situation, thousands of years had passed and it was blocked access. But at that event, that access was granted to you and to I. See, if you will keep your composure during a devastation, you will know where to run. You will know where to go. Sometimes earthquakes in our life are intentional to bring about a deliverance that cannot be attained by human hands. Maybe that earthquake that happened in your relationship was there to remove a toxic situation. The Bible says in the last days, all that can be shaken will be shaken. In Hebrews 12, 26 and 28, I want to read you, get to the last verse. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Listen to this. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. In the devastation of my dad's passing, we received peace that comes from the king of peace, from a kingdom that cannot be shaken. No pills, no alcohol, no drugs, nothing. Peace that surpasses all understanding. It's devastation that positions us to receive the unshakable provisions of God. It's amazing how God just gives you what you need. 
And I can't say that I prayed extra hard or my mom prayed extra hard. It was just available because that is a benefit from an unshakable kingdom that comes to us. Earthquakes in our lives cause others to recognize the firmness of the kingdom of God. How many times did we hear, man, you're doing good? You, you know, cause if, if you, if you know me, normally this would cause a coma of grief where you're under the sheets, paralyzed, don't know how to think, don't know how to walk. And yet, less than a week since the, the, the funeral, I'm up here declaring the goodness of God. That is the only the power of God that can do that. Peace and devastation inspires others. Look at what it says in Matthew 27, 54 through 55. Now the centurion and those who were with him keeping guard over Jesus, when they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening, became very frightened and said, truly, this was the Son of God. See, extreme trials bring an invitation to change. Sometimes it takes going to jail to see your purpose. Sometimes it takes a car wreck to see that you finally need to put down this substance. In these extreme trials that we go through, there's a plan and there is a purpose if you will just allow God to work what he works in the midst of it. See, my dad's battle caused everyone's faith to rise that knew him. It taught me to persevere through, through anything that you go through. The fact that he was up here less than a week before he died, with every ounce of strength he had, if you would talk to him before, he talked real low, but he was belting out praises to the Son of God. Praise God. He would walk with a, with a, a cane, then eventually he walked with a walker, and eventually he couldn't walk anymore. But he left it up here. He never recovered from that. He gave it all he had because Jesus was empowering him. See, that grace on my family during this time is simply supernatural. And no matter what you're going through, that grace is supernaturally applied when you ask. If my dad had not gotten cancer, he would not have had the impact that he had on people. You see, his cancer was the boat in the storm, not the storm. We look at everything that happens as the storm, the winds and the waves. But that storm, through that storm, that boat took us on to the other side and helped us persevere in our faith and made our faith stronger. Sometimes we don't get to choose our legacy. You don't get to choose it. Our response in life defines it, creates it, and cements it. And God gets the glory through it. Listen, don't look at the earthquake in your life. Look for the messenger sitting on the stone. In Matthew 28, 2, 5, and 6, it says, Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. Then the angel spoke to the woman, Do not be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said it would happen. See, that messenger was there to deliver the message that their source of grief was resurrected. See, Satan wants you to keep your eyes on the cracks, the broken rocks, the damages. He wants you to assess the damage 
and doesn't want you to gain access to God that has been granted. In fact, to even blame God for the earthquake and get you to run the other direction. That's what God, uh, that's what Satan does. And God is there to deliver you. Listen, on anything you go through, any devastation, any earthquake, the only position to take is Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work for the, get, work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Remember, that earthquake in both instances led them into the plan and purpose of God. The, both those earthquakes gave access to his presence. I said all that to say these ladies came perceiving a situation that looked hopeless, but the resurrection sprang up and instantly it turned their grief into a message. They were, they had to, they went out and told them that he had risen. That's what God can do in any situation you're going through. He can turn your circumstance into a message. Some of here have been, some people here have been through the ringer. Life has put a whooping on you. You know, you know that if you've gone through some stuff, some storms. But listen, in that, I'm looking at battle-tested warriors in the kingdom of God. Amen. Praise God. It has created a backbone of steel. When the devil comes at you, you're like, what? What now? Before you would shrink back like, I hope the devil don't see me. I'm just going to get up and mind my business. You know, I don't bother the devil and the devil don't bother me. No, no. The things that you have gone through, when you see demons and devils lurking, you say, I see you, devil. Jesus has resurrected and has given me all power and authority over you. And that's how you, you view every situation, every problem that comes your way. Listen, my greatest fear has now been recognized. You know what that did? I'm not scared anymore. Your greatest fear, when you see that thing and you go through it, what can happen now? You look at the devil and say, what? Right? You know what I'm talking about. What? It's the swagger of the Lord. Listen, no matter what you're facing, the Lord will give you a message to help bring others out of the circumstances that were threatening to destroy you. There was an earthquake at the cross, and that the cross brought victory, and there was an earthquake at the resurrection, and it brought hope and life. Point number two, the resurrection brings revelation on our road of confusion. Luke 24, 13 through 17. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were conversing with each other about all the things which had taken place. And it came about that while they were conversing and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you were walking? And they stood still, looking sad. These two men, Cleopas and possibly Luke. Cleopas was the father of James the Less and the, the husband of one of the Marys, the sister of the mother of Jesus. According to the text, they were going back and forth. You ever done that? You read a scripture and you go back and forth. 
You'll do that in life groups if you, if you sign up. You'll go back and forth. See, the thing is, they were discussing things that they read, and it wasn't lining up to the experience. How many of you been there? See, they had walked three and a half years with God Almighty in the flesh. And now, it, it wasn't making sense to them. Now, obviously, there was frustration involved. For, you know, for instance, they knew the Levitical laws. They knew the deliverance of Moses. They knew Abraham who sacrificed, was going to sacrifice Isaac. They understood all that. They, un, they, they saw it, but they never saw Christ as the deliverer who would stay on the altar. That was all pictures and types and shadows. They didn't understand the spiritual application to their pain, like us today. When you're going through something, you stay at the surface level. You read scripture at the surface level. They were so distraught that the Messiah had not seemed to come through. You know, one of my friends and I were in his, his truck, and we were looking at my dad's house because we live right by my mom and dad. And we just begin to discuss healing. It's like the Bible says when two agree touching anything on earth, the Bible says speak to the mountain. The Bible, all the, we have faith. Do you not have faith? I have faith. We have faith. What's the deal? You know, all these things going back and forth, bantering back and forth. But if you get hung up on the details, you'll sound like the two guys on the road to Emmaus. Discussing the scriptures, yet not seeing what's beneath the scriptures. Literally, discussing healing. Literally, they were discussing the Messiah. They were discussing how, now what we're going to do. Jesus said this. The Bible says this. All of these things that we do. Listen, to measure your expectation to reality without purpose will never make sense. I want to say it again. To measure your expectation to reality without purpose will never make sense. And the outcome of purpose is only decided by God. We don't get to decide it, but we get to be a part of it. We get to walk it out. It, it goes something like, if God's a loving God, why? Right? That's, that's something that people deal with. They were throwing all these theories out. But the fact of the matter is in verse 16, it says their eyes were prevented from seeing him. In other words, if I get hung up on cancer and I get hung up on healing... And the suffering my dad did for 10 years, I miss out on the lives that my dad touched in the process. And it veils my eyes because I'm only looking at the Bible says, we lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's surface level. I'm not seeing what God is doing in the midst of this. And I'm so proud of my dad for what he endured and for the life that he lived and taught my family line, as well as my mom. My mom's like an Esther. You know, she keep having faith, keep believing, keep walking. Okay, this happened, now we'll do this. Just continually going through the matters. But listen, healing took place on a grand scale. There were, there were family that were, that were distraught. There were friends that, were, that had broken relationships. At that service, everything came and healing happened. Between everybody. It was one of the most powerful things I've ever been a part of. And it was the power of God available to that situation. See, sometimes we don't understand what God is doing. Focusing on what we expect will always cause veiling. But accepting his plan and purpose will unveil him. That's the key. 
Everything that we face should have the backdrop of Jesus. That's where the true perception can happen. But we get so hung up on the details. We're detail-oriented. Remember when Jesus was discussing his death, Peter was like, that ain't happening on my watch. You know, Jesus said, I must be delivered into the hands of sinners. Peter was like, not with me. That was ride or die. But it's like if Jesus would have just said, look, if I don't die, you go to hell. So if you think about it, they were seeing it at the surface level. They were seeing it. They didn't understand why this must happen. The fact of the matter is, my dad being up here as a dying man singing to dying people. Yes, we're dying every day. Declaring the goodness and the grace of the power of the Son of God is amazing to me. That's what we, we, you, you draw from experiences and you say, you know what? I can get up from my situation. They didn't recognize me and I bought colored toothpicks to the family barbecue and no one told me hi. That's the kind of stuff that will help you push through. You won't get sidetracked and offended by every little bitty thing. You see, that's a major problem in the world today. Everybody's offended. Go through some stuff. You know what offense will do? Man, that's the least of my worries. I'm not worried about this. Luke 24, 18. Then one of them named Cleopas answered, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these, in, here in these days? Now listen, if anyone knew the suffering that had taken place, it was Jesus. But that's what the devil does. He gets you to a place where you think, Jesus don't have a clue about what you're suffering. That's what he does. You see, his plan is to kill, steal, and destroy. Satan is the master deceiver. He will tell you that Jesus is causing your suffering when Jesus is the only one who took your suffering. Satan does this to isolate you, to devour you, to devour your faith, devour your sanity, and eventually suffocate you, pulverize you into the ground, and then suck you into hell. That's a picture. That's what his plan and purpose is. In every situation that has you teetering. You see, our greatest capacity to process disappointment is in Christ. Because in Christ, he has experienced the suffering that we've experienced. He has seen the heartbreak. He has no, no capacity to not be able to identify because he has no hardness of heart. He has nothing within him that can stop him for, for grieving, taking the grief of your pain on himself. He bears witness, and on top of that, he knows exactly what you need, when you need it, and where you need it. Amen. Praise God. You know, I'm, I'm looking back. Uh, That Saturday morning at 2 o'clock and my dad was grasping for air. That's a painful picture to see that. But when you know that the Lord Almighty has him in heaven and is being suffocated by kids and grandkids, 14 to be exact. And I see him being suffocated by the love of those children and grandchildren. That instantly makes that vision go away. You see, you replace the truth of God with something that you see. 
You, you don't look at the surface. Yes, I see that. But listen, I know the truth that's happening now. You know, this is what the devil will do. He'll, he'll come to you and say, you didn't get to make it right with them before you died, before they died. And they're a believer. They're, they're in heaven. Or you didn't get to say this or do this. And he'll, he'll sit there and try to pull you into the, in, in, into despair. And God Almighty saying, Gelly, whoever, there's no grief up here. That thought's not going on up here. So you need to forgive yourself and move on because there is no grief in the portals of heaven. Now listen, the resurrection in our greatest trial means a resurrection of perspective. You can have a resurrected perspective when you keep your eyes on the way God is doing things. You see, Cleopas, when he tells them everything that's going on, he's describing his expectations, how things didn't work out like he thought. But he was missing the true meaning of what happened. See, their lack of sp the spiritual aspect is what crippled them in their problem. They were mourning the loss of how they felt it should have worked out. And that's normal. That happens. But you can't stay there. You got to keep moving. See, it was the very thing that was blinding them from seeing Jesus who was with them on the road. But Jesus was patient with them and he began to explain in Luke 24, 25 through 27. And he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe that all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus was showing them the purpose behind the pain. That's, that's where we need to get. Don't focus on the situation. Focus on the purpose. Listen in Luke 24, 28 and 32. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going farther, but they urged him strongly to stay. Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he broke the bread, blessed it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were open. And then they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. You see, when we see Jesus in our circumstances, it brings us peace, and it makes us want more. When you go through so many things in life, you will begin to appreciate whatever brings the presence of God. Whether it's the worst thing in your life, when you know that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, you will appreciate the presence of God in that circumstance. Now, how do we experience the road to Emmaus? Number one, you see it through the eyes Jesus gives. It's not normal to see it through the eyes of faith. You're not bent that way. You're bent to see what you see. It's an unnatural way of seeing. You see it from your viewpoint instead of seeing it from the vantage point of Christ. My, my sorrow instantly turned into gratitude when I saw the inner working of the Lord Jesus Christ in that. That's where the gratitude comes. You see, my dad, he was saved. I prayed for healing every single day. My plan and purpose was that he walk out of this thing miraculously on this side of the earth. I prayed that. I asked God specifically. I didn't beat around the bush. I wasn't like, I prayed that he get healed. I was like, healed on this side, God. Here, on this earth. But listen, 
If my dad's death causes four people to get saved, 15 people to resurrect hope in their circumstance, and if that's God's plan and purpose, that's what I go with. And that's what I appreciate. Praise God. That's right. And I'm not saying you get there overnight, but that's where you got to get. When we signed up to be part of the, the kingdom of God, what we said was, Lord, use my life in whatever capacity you see fit to get glory for yourself. You didn't sign up to have rose petals and all that. If, if, if you're saved, you know it's tough. Right? If, like I said in the first service, if it ain't tough, I'm going to come live with you. Sometimes you wake up, they got buzzards singing outside. You might have little Tweety birds. But life is not always difficult, not always easy. There's difficult moments. But listen, there is no life like serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, number two, surrender our preferred comfortable outcomes. That's the bin right there. Comfortable. I want to be comfortable. Now, that's when you understand it as wanting to be comforted, comfortable, you know that that's not always how it turns out. But the big picture is what counts. You got to get your mind on the big picture. Lord, what are you doing here for your kingdom and for your glory? You see, grieving is more about adjusting our mind to change and, and the acceptance of a new situation. And the sooner that happens, the sooner the healing can start. See, you got to move past any situation where you're consumed with what ifs and regrets. You know what that does? That keeps you on the devil's leash. You get past that by laying that down, saying, God, this is how it happened. I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for your mercy, no matter what it is. And God will begin to motivate you to walk in that peace that surpasses all understanding. It's like I said earlier, the person that passed on and went to heaven is not mindful at all of what happened in those things that are tormenting you here. So move away from it. Move away from it. Now, let me tell you how, what, I, what I saw with this particular situation. You know, when you're looking at, at, I'm looking at my dad, his body's riddled with cancer. And he's sitting there just hunched over in his chair. And he's saying over and over, the Lord is good to me. The Lord is good to me. God has been good to me. And I'm like, Dad, I, I know. And he's like, no, you don't understand. God has been good to me. God is good, Kelly. God is good. It's over and over, seeing people coming in and out the house, saying, you know, just telling my dad just how much they meant, you know, all the nice things, how my, you know, because my dad didn't really get to see the lives he touched. You know, he didn't get to see 5,000 views of people watching this on this, on this platform. That would have blessed him beyond capacity to even comprehend it. But that's what happened in this situation. You see, the Lord is risen in no matter what circumstance. And my dad understood that before he passed. Yet his body would have been physically unable to even walk. His spirit and soul was soaring in the grace of God and eventually penetrated the roof of 506 Donald Street and sailed into the third heavens to stand on the streets of gold with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. There ain't nothing better than that. <laughs> That's what you need to see 
when you grieve over somebody who knows the Lord. That's why it's important to know him now. Today is the day of salvation. See, with these two men, the Lord, they didn't see him because they were blinded by their circumstance. Many of you are in prison today because of an undesired outcome, and God wants to give you the resurrection of understanding. See, in the breaking came the seeing. When he broke the bread, he saw, they saw, and that caused that burning. It says, didn't our hearts burn with the inside of us? And it caused them to go. Luke 24, 32 and 35. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they arose the same hour and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told him about what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in breaking of the bread. You see, in the burning came the going. Once again, both people, the women that that were grieving at the resurrection and them that were grieving, when they saw it, it gave them a message to go out. So in your circumstance, God is preparing a message for you to go out and to proclaim it. Now, number three, point number three, the resurrected king is the restorer when we blow it. Maybe you can say, Kelly, I blew it in the first one. I didn't even care about devastations, earthquake. All I see is heartbreak. I understand that. Then you say, I went to the scripture. The scripture made no sense. So I threw the Bible down. I said, I don't want to have anything to do with that. I don't believe it anymore. The Bible says this, and I didn't experience it. The resurrection is for you. Maybe you're here and you're disappointed. The disappointment was too much. It literally ripped the soul out of you. You've been serving Jesus you walk around and say, hey, how you doing, brother? Oh, bless God, I'm highly favored. I'm the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. But inside, you feel as if you've been pulverized. You feel as if you cannot even get up, much less smile, so you mask it with religious catchphrases. I'm talking to somebody. I know because I talk to you sometimes. <laughs> Listen, Jesus wants to heal you and restore you. Whatever wall you built, because it didn't work out like you want, Jesus wants to knock that wall down. He doesn't want you to just come here and serve him and and smile and hand out bulletins or walk people to their seat or teach life groups or go to life groups. He wants all of you. He wants every ounce of you. Listen, Jesus died on Calvary, and he didn't leave this earth until he restored Peter. And he didn't die on Calvary to leave this earth and not restore you. Now think of this scene in your mind. A week has passed since Peter saw the Lord, saw him twice. Imagine the elephant in the room and the lump in the throat. He didn't handle the situation like he thought he would. Lord, even though these people right here deny you, I'll never deny you. Yet, this little girl comes and says, oh, you was with Jesus of Nazareth. And he's like, I don't know who you're talking about. That's not me. That's not me at all. Imagine how this replayed over and over in his mind as he went and maybe threw himself on his bed, crying, upset that I failed my best friend. I failed the Lord. Let's pick up the scene in John 21 Three and three through seven. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will also come with you. They went out and got into the boat 
And that night they caught nothing. I've been on those trips. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus therefore said to them, children, you do not have any fish, do you? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find a catch. Remember, he said this earlier when they first met. They cast, therefore, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the number of fish. That disciple, therefore, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, which would have been John, it is the Lord. And so when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. You see, Peter was always throwing himself into something. But this time he threw himself into the sea. And the only thing that was on his mind was, I got to get to Jesus. I got to get to my best friend. See, he got out of condemnation. The condemnation, no doubt, that Satan whispered in his ear for those seven days when Jesus would appear. Don't you go by Jesus. He's going to, he's, he's, he's mad at you. You're going to ruin it. And Peter who knew the name Simon, that was his name. And whenever he would, when Jesus would call him Simon, he was reminding him who he was. But many times Jesus would call him Peter, which is the rock, even though he was acting like Simon. See, Jesus can't bless what you're pretending to be. He blesses what he sees you are. You may not feel like Peter. You may feel like Simon. But Jesus is speaking to the Peter in you. He's speaking to the potential that he placed on the inside of you. Listen, I'm going to pause here. I want you to understand, Jesus didn't do anything to Peter, but yet he's the one that initiated the restoration. Jesus didn't do anything to you, but yet he is seeking you out to restore you. He initiated this fish breakfast. A fresh encounter with the Lord will always give you a fresh understanding and a new beginning. Isn't it ironic that the same way that Peter met the Lord, he's reenacting this in the last days before he went off to be with, in heaven with God. Now think of this, John 21, 15 through 17, and I'm going to read it to you as the Greek says it, because there's something here that you need to see, and I believe it will help you. In verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, I'm going to stop there. That word love is agape, unconditionally sold out. Are you unconditionally sold out, sacrificially, totally committed to me? More than these. And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. I'm fond of you. Yes, I love you. Yes, we're friends. We're cool. Some of you may feel like that. I'm fond of Jesus. I like coming to church. And he said to him, feed my lambs. Then he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally, committed totally? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. You know that I'm fond of you. He said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, Jesus then says, do you phileo me? Are you fond of me? He didn't say agape this time. And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, Do you phileo me? 
Of course I'm fond of you, Lord. And he said to him, that's what he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I phileo you. You know that I'm fond of you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, what's the point in all of this? Three times Jesus asks him if he loves him because three times he denied him. Remember that. So Peter was saying, I'm, I'm brotherly fondness. I'm, I'm, fond, I'm fond of you as a brother. You know why? Because his failure was telling him, telling him, you don't love the Lord. So he was only answering as truthful as he could because his failure was speaking to him. See, Peter was no longer boasting. Peter responds with phileo. He's saying, I know my limitations. See, Peter, remember, Jesus answered with omniscience. He knew how Peter loved him. You see, Here's the point. Peter's passion kept him from seeing how he loved the Lord. As long as there was a Galilee to walk or a soldier to fight, his passion looked like agape. I see it. You might be doing this. You might be doing that. And you think, oh, I'm sold out. I love the Lord. Agape. I agape the Lord. But maybe it's phileo. I can tell you that going through those miscarriages... The Lord showed me this. Kelly, you are fond of me. Things are not working out, and I was building that phileo love wall. And I began to brick by brick, and I'm serving God, I'm loving God, and Jesus was telling me, you do not agape. You see, agape only comes by laying down the internal struggle you have with the Lord that no one sees. That's where agape love comes from. And that's what Peter was doing. He was so looking at his guilt, how he handled every situation, all of this. And he said, all I love is phileo. But later on, he would lose his life for the Lord Jesus Christ. See, whatever is stifling you will stop you from agape love until you deal with it. And Jesus wants to deal with you because he loves you with agape love. He's trying to get you to come where he's at. And in all the struggles, you will still come to church. You'll still smile. You'll still say all the church things that people say. But inside, you're fond of God. And let me tell you something. When struggles come, you will be crushed by the wall you created. Until you get beyond that and get, let, let the Lord pull you into the boat. And to walk with you and guide you. You see, God has been doing this. He did it by ripping the veil. Remember at the earthquake, the veil was ripped. God was initiating us to come in. He did this when we were quoting scripture and we didn't understand. And we threw our Bible in the corner. He was with you, walking with you, trying to explain the scriptures. And he did that when you went back to what you were doing and said, I'm done with all this. And he said, come see, I want to talk with you. Let's have lunch. Let's have breakfast. And he began to speak to you. And you felt, there's no way this is the Lord because I've been mad for so long. And yet you've, you got revelation that you didn't think you deserved. That was God's way of coming meet where you were. He was breaking down your phileo wall of disappointment that you built because you were like, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to hell. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay, God. Only because I'm, I'm fearful of my future. 
And God is saying, no, I want more than that. I want you to experience everything that I have for you. Get past the earthquakes, get past the devastations, get past the things that don't make sense. I forgive you for blowing it, for getting mad. I'm the one that came and and grabbed you out of this pit. I'm the one who is restoring you. I'm the one who still is speaking to you, even though you are mad and you have your arms crossed in the corner. I'm not leaving until we talk. That's the God you serve. Sometimes all we could do is bring God our broken dreams, our little molds that we created. And say, God, I'm sitting here in this dust of disappointment. This is all I have. And God is saying, that's all I need. Lay all that down. All I want is you. He shows up every single time. I'm telling you, he shows up every single time. No matter how mad you are. No matter how much you don't understand, God Almighty is there. With the number one goal of restoration. You need to hear that. I brought this out because we think we're sold out. Because we go to Life Group. Because we listen to KJN. We, we listen to, you know, Lauren Daigle. We think, oh, I'm sold out. I don't even listen to secular no more. That don't mean you sold out. When the cookie crumbles, are you sweeping it up and moving forward? That's where the rubber meets the road in Christianity. Not because you can walk an aisle or snot all over the preacher. Your consistent walk through every storm shows you where you are with the Lord. And God is concerned about your heart, about your mind, about your soul, more than he's concerned about the molds that we try to fit him in. So when we bring God all we have... We say, God, this is what I planned. This is what I created. I'm praying that you bless it. God says, I got something better than that. Lay that down and come see. Come walk. Let's talk. Praise God. And point number four, his resurrection means our resurrection. And 1 Corinthians 15, 21 and 23, it says, So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, Now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given a new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. It's the rapture of the church. You see, all of these times, after after the restoration of Peter... He goes to the Mount of Olives, and he is ascended into heaven, and two angels appear, and they say, brothers, why do you stand here gazing? This same Jesus will come back in like manner as you saw him go up. No matter what you face here on this earth, while you're trying to pick up the pieces of your broken life that God doesn't want you to pick up, He wants to pick up. We can be out of here. Listen, the Lord could come back before the service closes. And everything that has you pinned to the ground will pale in comparison. As you soar through the clouds, beyond space, beyond time, 
and you stand on the glorious streets of gold looking at this massive built kingdom, I'm telling you, it will blow your mind. Whatever is bothering you right now will seem so small and you could see that every day. If you have eyes to see, listen, grieving lasts. Grieving is painful. Sorrow is painful. But when you realize that the Lord could deliver you from that at any moment, you get up and you move to fight another day. The resurrection is hope. The Bible calls it our blessed hope. No matter what you're facing, and I don't care what it is, and I don't try to make light of it, but it pales in comparison to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the trump of God will sound, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to be with the Lord forever and forever and forever. Sorrow will be no more, as glory will be the only thing that you see. I said all that to say, no matter what you're going through, ride it out. Don't let it, don't go to hell over a mystery. Things you can't understand, I'm, I'm done with God. Listen, persevere in your faith. That's what my dad taught me. Persevere when your body is falling apart, when everything in your body is saying you're going to die and you're never going to make it. When his soul and spirit went into heaven, let me tell you something. We cried, we wept, but instantly we got up and said, you know what? He should be weeping for us. Can we stand? Praise you, God. Resurrection morning is coming. It came for Jesus, and it's coming for you. Now, you may be here, and you may say, you know what? I blew the first three points. <laughs> I got my, that earthquake came in. I was ready to jump in the pit with it, but you didn't. Then you said, I went to the Bible, and I kicked it aside, and now it's collecting dust. And God has been wanting to speak to you in his word, but you have pushed it far from you out of, out of aggravation, and then you even maybe even went back fishing. The Lord Almighty wants to restore you. How many of you can say, Kelly, I have been crushed by disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. Let me see. Let, let God see your hand. Thank you, Jesus. There's many hands going up. I want to pray for you. Father, we come right now. And God, we don't understand what is going on in the lives of your people. But God, you are interwoven in every circumstance. God, I ask that you would heal hearts. God, that this message would come alive on the inside of them. God, that your word would pulverize grief, would pulverize anything that raises itself against the kingdom of God. Father, I thank you for healing that has taken place in the hearts and minds of your people, in their physical bodies. Father, I thank you that they will serve out of the joy of their heart, God, not, of a, not out of some obligation of being scared to go to hell. Father, they will serve you with joy, with gladness and strength. God, I thank you that you're restoring every wall that was built by your people, God, to keep you out. God, that wall is coming down right now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that you have been pursuing them even when they shut the door in your face, God. Father, we know that you do not, you can walk through walls, you can walk through doors, 
Father, I thank you for everything that they have built. But Father, you have a greater plan and purpose. God, start erecting those things in their life, God. Father, I thank you for your blessing and your power. Now, you may be here and you say, I don't even know the Lord. If I died right now, I would, I would not be in his presence. Let me see your hand. I want to pray for you and we can end this now. Satan can no longer come to you and tell you you're not right with God. What it takes to be right with God is you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. What he did on Calvary, your faith in that alone makes you right before God. Now you might say, I've blown it. I've been living for myself. God wants you to live for him. Let me see your hand. Be bold today. Say, I haven't been serving God, but I want to serve God. Let me see your hand. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. I see your hand. I see your hand. Praise you, Jesus. I see your hand. Listen, look at me, please. God loves you. He has a plan. He, he has some things he wants to do in your life. He wants to raise you up. And his goal is when, when the, 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 this thing wraps up, he will stand face to face with you and say, I love you. I love you. I died just for you. You see, even though we're all these people, if you were the only one on this earth, Jesus Christ would have came to this earth and died in your place. And by you receiving this, you gain access to the kingdom of God. And God Almighty is your father. No matter what you're going through, Jesus Christ will, will help you. He will guide you. And that's the greatest gift that you will ever experience on this earth. So if you prayed that prayer, I want to pray with you. I'm sorry, I didn't even pray with you. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, come on, pray it loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name above every name, Jesus Christ. I acknowledge that I have sinned, that I have fallen short, that I cannot please you in and of myself. But Jesus, you died in my place. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, while, when service wraps up, I just want you to come meet one of the altar workers or myself. We want to give you a gift, and we just want to explain to you about what the Christian life entails. It's the greatest decision you can ever make. I want to bless you as you leave. Father, we just come right now thanking you for your presence, thanking you for your word, thanking you for your grace. Lord, I pray that upon each person here, God, that your grace would chase them down. Father, they would walk in grace, in power, in mercy. And Father, that they would be the people of God that you've called them to be in their workplace, in their family. God, every blessing that you have, God, I'm asking that you would allow them to walk in that and see that. In Jesus' name, I pray and ask. And the church said, amen and amen. Thank you. Have a great afternoon. God bless you.